I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. Thanks for tuning into another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. Today is September 1st. That means it's time for Billy Joe Armstrong to go to bed and all of us to get on our football glasses. It's a big, big Seven days, about a week until the season starts. Joshua, does it feel real yet? It doesn't, and college football starts this weekend. So, you know, it's kind of like a hors d'oeuvre before the games that we really care about start. But uh, we felt like we had to come on here, man, and do a podcast because there has been some exciting news. But before we get into all that, Jake, how have you been doing? Dude, I'm doing great. I woke up this morning and there was frost on my windshield. It was fantastic. I'm so happy summer's over. But we do get that yin and the yang. We get the balance. Football season is here to make us feel a little better. And Josh, with it being football season and you being the chef and already mentioning hors d'oeuvres, what, what's your hors d'oeuvre for a football game? What are you going with? I'd probably just be a pig in a blanket. I'm, I'm real basic. Yeah, I was going to say some type of dip or, you know, I'd probably make a stew or soup or chili or something like that. But yeah, anything, anything. I'll cook up whatever you want, man. Chili's good. Have you ever, um, have you ever made spaghetti dip? It's just basically an excuse to shovel cheesy garlic bread. Have you ever tried that one? No, but it sounds fantastic. So maybe I'll have to try that. Kids would love have that. Have you ever made the Dunkaroo dip on your own? Like the cream, like the frosting and cookies? Yeah. I have not, but I mean, I, I guess I could with all the techniques and recipes I now know. But dude, I had some Dunkaroos the other week and they're expensive and they're kind of disgusting now, to be honest. Really? I, just like too sweet? Have you gotten too old where the sweetness is too much? Yeah, I'm definitely too old. It's funny because before I came on here, I was telling the kids they got to be quiet. You know, daddy's got to do a podcast. And midway through, I don't know if I was talking or something. And my oldest goes, go to your podcast, old man. And I'm just like, damn, <laughs> I, I wish I had that quote for the podcast. Like, just go to your podcast, old man. And I'm like, this is the age you got to like, damn. That's such a great slogan. I love that so much. Um, but just one more th- man, you should try having the three kids. You guys should try making your own Dunkaroo dip. Make it make- we've done it, but I've done it. If I can do it, you can definitely do it. And that way, you know, you can make it a little less sweet. All right. That's enough nonsense, Joshua. We have a boatload of news to talk about right before the season's beginning. Let's start with maybe the most surprising news, Josh. We have heard over the last couple of days. We are recording this on Friday afternoon. As of Thursday, Jalen Ramsey. Robert Jones were both placed on injured reserve. I think we actually both expected those. However, Josh, there was one name that went on injured reserve. That was 
queasy meter, it broke. And that is Jeff Wilson Jr. going on injured reserve. What do you think about that one? Well, the first thing I thought is, of course, right after we just released this podcast where I talked about the running back room and how, you know, everything's going to be okay. We didn't get Jonathan Taylor, but we're okay with what we have. They put Jeff Wilson Jr. on, uh, you know, the IR, so what he's out for at least the first four weeks, if not longer. And when you heard what Mike McDaniel said, I mean, he made it sound like, you know, I hope to get him back or I plan to get him back by the end of the season. So he's expecting Jeff Wilson Jr. to be out for a while. We know they signed Darrington Evans. We'll talk about him a little bit for the practice squad. Sorry, the baby did not sleep in case you hear her, but she she's excited. So, um, yeah, man, I was a little bit surprised, and it just felt like egg on my face right after I got done talking about the running backs and hyping them up. You know, there's, there's a lot of questions that rise with that, but one thing that kind of makes sense is you think of an undrafted rookie like Chris Brooks making the roster when you have guys like uh, Raheem Mostert, Selvan Ahmed, who have this experience in the system. Well, it makes a lot more sense knowing that, hey, Chris Brooks made the roster as kind of that Jeff Wilson replacement, and it's – was it Merrick who said that Jeff Wilson kind of runs more physical than he like 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 he plays the role of bruiser even though he's not completely and Chris Brooks is going to kind of fill it and uh, play that same role but Josh uh, I don't think they're related but I'd love to get your thoughts does Jeff Wilson's injury have to do anything with Miami's pursuit of other running backs throughout the offseason I don't know it could have been I mean I, I just feel like they see an opportunity to go out there and get an elite guy for like value that they don't expect so they want to get him at their position so um, I mean, I don't know if we'll talk, even talk about it, but there are reports now that the Dolphins are ready to give Jonathan Taylor the moon, you know, pay him that upper echelon uh, running back money. So they want to upgrade the unit, but whether or not Jeff Wilson Jr.'s, you know, injury is the reason for that, I'm not sure. And then to Chris Brooks, I mean, credit, he is more almost thunder. You know, we like to talk about it. I like to talk about it. He's almost more thunder than Jeff Wilson. So it'll be intriguing to see how many goal line touches he gets, you know, how into this offense he is, but uh, let's be honest, it's now also an opportunity for Devon A-Chain to step up, you know, hoping he's healthy. It's his opportunity where he most got to prove he can go out there and build on what he did last season. So, uh, again, one podcast after talking about how good I felt about the running back unit, I'm kind of almost doing a complete 180 on my skateboard and, you know, going the opposite direction. I don't know how I feel now. Even though it's just a Jeff Wilson domino, now you're starting to say, damn, I can see why they want to bring in an elite running back. Yeah, you know, when you spring a leak, it doesn't matter what size it is. You're still going to be a little spooked about it. Uh, just to kind of run it back real quick, Jalen Ramsey had the meniscus repair in July. The expectation is he'll be back December. Um, we'll see if maybe he can be superhuman and come back a little sooner than that. Robert Jones has an MCL sprain, and his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, expects him to miss four to six weeks, which uh, is on the shorter side when you consider IR, so that that's not awful news. And Jeff Wilson's agent, Breaking news is also Drew Rosenhaus said that Wilson is hoping to return week five against the Giants. He's dealing with a rib and pinky injury. Josh, fantasy season's in full bloom, and I'd love to get your um, get you to get the temperature of this hot take here. If you're looking for an impact player in the early few weeks, it's not Devon H. I, I think it's going to be Selvan Ahmed, who is day-to-day with a neck injury at the moment. Yeah, I'm in a dynasty league with a buddy of mine, and he texted me today, should we put a claim in for Chris Brooks? And I said is Salvin Ahmed available because he seems like he would be that next guy in line. So, um, yeah, I mean, he looked really good. So I f- you kind of overlook him a little bit, right? Because, again, he goes out there and is just so consistent. So, yeah, Raheem Mostert, Salvin Ahmed. You had Chris Brooks is at Thunder, perhaps. Devon Achan with his speed. Maybe I do, again, feel pretty good about this running back unit. So we'll see how it all kind of falls into place. I do have written down Jalen Ramsey. Losing him was obviously a killer. You're not going to replace him at all, no matter how hard you try. And then, Rob Jones, I thought he looked pretty damn good at guard, so I was intrigued to see 
if he could win that starting spot and if he could have an impact early on. So those two guys in particular, uh, definitely a little bit of a dagger, but the Dolphins will overcome this, right? I mean, they have to. That's what football's all about. As a result, the team had three open spots on the roster. They re-signed Justin Bethel, tight end Tyler Croft, and cornerback Perry Nickerson. Josh, three guys who all were kind of interesting throughout the preseason. Bethel mostly because the Dolphins are really struggling in terms of special teams. They really lost a lot of those, I hate to say the bottom of the roster guys, but those guys who will fill in and be special teams guys. So Bethel is someone who was active for 17 games last season. He had one interception and he is entering his 12th NFL season. Uh, You know, the Dolphins do have a few cornerback uh, injuries they're dealing with, uh, but Bethel genuinely feels like a special team signing. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think Nickerson kind of does as well. I think he's at least impressed throughout preseason when he gets those opportunities. So um, I guess a lot of these signings make sense. Bringing in Tyler Croft, you know, we talked about tight end, you know, on the last podcast, Slim Pickens there. So if you like what he does in the run game or, you know, even as a little bit of a red zone threat, whatever it might be, bringing him on isn't really the end of the world. So um, like those low-key signings, I guess, but I don't think anybody should sit here and say, you know, signing Perry Nickerson or, you know, Justin Bethel, Tyler Croft is going to be the difference between, uh, you know, a playoff winner, the Lombardi championship this season. But now that I say this, I feel like we're going to, you know, have a clip here and then it's going to say one year later and it's going to show like uh, it's gonna, that's a SpongeBob thing. It's going to show uh, him having a game winning pick six or whatever in the wild card game. So are you trying to tell me, are you admitting that losing Ryan Hayes and Elijah Higgins is not the end of the world? Is that because if losing them isn't the end of the world, adding these guys, that that's like a hand in hand thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know that's the end of the world. It does kind of suck when you hear all these teams claimed Elijah Higgins, right? And you know they were some of the more popular guys. So yeah, man, I I they kind of sucks you lost those guys, but they're acorns, right? And I'm sitting here talking about acorns right after hyping up Chris Brooks. So um, I'm a hypocrite, I guess. So the key here is. The Dolphins let go of some unexperienced undrafted players. And excuse me, not undrafted, late round draft picks, sixth, seventh round. And people were up in arms because you see someone like Elijah Higgins, who was claimed as a wide receiver, right? He is someone who is transitioning to be a tight end. Teams are still adding him as a wide receiver. That's where the interest starts. It's someone who can be that big slot, right? A lot of teams are interested in that. Something to consider when you look at the teams that signed Elijah Higgins and Ryan Hayes. The Colts and the Cardinals, where on earth are either of those teams going this year? They ain't going anywhere. So what stands out? What did the Dolphins do that is different? Why would they want players instead of their rookies? Well, how about someone who was drafted in the 2018 NFL draft? Tyler Croft is entering his ninth season, and Justin Bethel is in his 12th NFL season. What you like, like we, I understand, like you want to see these guys grow, but the Dolphins aren't in let's see these guys grow mode. They are in a situation where they need guys they can trust on the football field. And you have three guys signed here that have all, well, two out of three have been in the league for nearly a decade. That is something to keep in mind as this roster construction is really underway. These are the things that you realize oh, this is a team that's competing for the playoffs or a Super Bowl. It's not Jonas Gray and we're going to see him for two games and he's going to improve and maybe be the guy of the future. They need guys they can trust. And it was as simple as when Mike McDaniel was asked why they kept Julian Hill over Elijah Higgins. It's very, very simple. Mike McDaniel and this team, they can't afford to have people they can't trust. They need guys they can trust. They could trust Julian Hill. These guys with experience, they can trust them too. Yeah, it's just a hypothesis. I think they might have been trying to, you know, kind of low-key slip them in under the radar and try to 
get one of those guys on the practice squad. But you're right. It says a lot about what, how they feel about Julian Hill. And um, I'd rather them, you know, cut ties with them now, right, than sit here and invest a year or two um, and lose a player like Julian Hill. If you're that confident that Julian Hill is better than Elijah Higgins enough that you can stash that draft pick. I mean, these are late round draft picks as well, right? I mean, some of these guys might have been undrafted acorns anyway. The Dolphins just kind of felt like they wanted to get a ha- their hands on them before another team did. So um, I'm not going to sit here and cry over spilled milk, but um, to see, again, that was Elijah Higgins. You know, I would rather not have ha- found out that, you know, what, six or seven teams tried to claim him because then you kind of feel like it's like when you're doing a fantasy draft and you have two players in mind and you draft one of them and then the next round or the very next pick, they take the other guy you were thinking about and you're like, damn, did I just make a mistake? You're wondering if everybody knows something you don't. In, in a scenario like this, I think I'm going to pick the side, though, of the people who have spent the last two months watching these guys. And and, and I'm not saying like they, they, they might not uh, – they could still succeed. And I think the Dolphins are weirdly in a spot. Like a lot of people spent this offseason, Josh, talking about how the Dolphins had a, a complete roster. And, and, yes, some injuries have derailed that a little bit. But I, I think that same you know Super Bowl aspiration is there. So I also think that people are trying to add these former Dolphins draft picks, maybe to be inspired, maybe to kind of see what the Dolphins saw and maybe see if they can keep going with it because the Dolphins aren't in a spot where they can watch Oppenheimer for three hours. They really need to be in and out of there 90 minutes. Let's watch Barbie and win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and you wonder how much this is just teams trying to get intel on what Mike McDaniel's doing down here, right? Um, I was going to say, I didn't want to interrupt you, but John Embry, Butch Barry, in them we trust, right? If they say that they we don't need Ryan Hayes, we don't need Elijah Higgins, then so be it. So, um, yeah, man, it'll be interesting to see the way it all plays out. I mean, we'll forever um, keep our eye on what Elijah Higgins does, right, and Ryan Hayes. If Ryan Hayes goes on and we see him in the Pro Bowl as an offensive lineman, I think we're all going to sit here and just, you know, then we'll start to question things. The issue is, though, if he was on the Dolphins, he'd never be able to play in the Pro Bowl because he'd be, he'd be gearing up for the Super Bowl. Josh, we have heard the resolution to the slap around the world. The infamous Marina incident in Miami. Long story short, Tyreek Hill will not be punished for slapping him. Is This, this is worth saying, worth bringing up, because there were some concerns. He might be able to miss a couple games as a result of this, but it seems like we can finally put it to rest and hopefully just focus on football for the next four months. Yeah, I'll be the first one to admit I'm a pessimist. So I kind of sat there and was saying, you know, okay, this slap, I mean, even before we saw a video of it, I was like, okay, whatever. It's it's whatever, right? Resolve it, pay the money, uh, do whatever you got to do, and let's get him out there. But then you lingered in the back of your mind, you know, what if Roger Goodell wants to just do Roger Goodell things, right? And uh, suspend him just to make an example out of him. But um, I'm not really surprised that nothing came of it because that slap, I mean, it was so weak, dude. Like, it was, it was so we sad. Did. And then they called... Then they call it assault. Like, um, I, I don't know. That's that's it, it was nothing. So I'm glad he's going to be with us for the entire year. And as we'll talk about later, I think he's going to be uh, potentially the Dolphins most impactful player. So glad it's all wrapped up. Glad Tyreek Hill can focus on football and glad we can see uh, Mike McDaniel's offense flourish in 2023. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I got a little bit of a hard time for bringing up this player as much as I do, but Josh, the Dolphins tipped their cap to Alec and Gold, giving them a, an extension, a three-year extension worth $12.2 million. Uh, he is now the second highest paid fullback in the league behind Kyle Juszczyk with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, good for him, man. I, I read his book, just the battle he's had to, to make it in the NFL. I mean, you saw him out there gutting it out with a club on his hand. And the thing about Alec Ingold, too, is like breaking news. He had a broken arm and it really limited him. But he isn't your traditional fullback where he has all his success as a blocker, or even as a short yardage runner. What makes him successful is his ability to er, catch the football as well. His ability to be a mismatch right out there, uh, maybe in the flat, something like that. So once he had the broken hand, like he could still be that blocking fullback, but that's not why he's here. He's not here just to be that guy. So I think that really limited him, but I think this year we're in for a treat when it comes to watching Alec Ingold operate in this offense as the Dolphins try to get the running backs a little more engaged. Yeah, and this comes right after Omar Kelly was talking about how, you know, important he was. What, like a top 10 or top 5 player on the roster when you're watching him out there? And um, So, again, like you mentioned, feel-good story, one of the better fullbacks in all of football, and now he's getting paid that way. I mean, it was a little bit surprising to see this news come out. I mean, I think we're all kind of still waiting for Christian Wilkins, right, that, that domino to fall. But um, maybe we're not going to see that right now, and they're going to go out there and pay some other guys that you know, are willing to take their offers. And good on Alec Ingold for doing that. I do think, you know, we talked about in the last pod with the tight end position, um, you know, is he going to get more targets now because of the room we do have there? I mean, he is an asset when he's out there. You don't know if the Dolphins are running the football, if they're going to throw the football, uh, what they're going to do. And I think he can impact that even more than what we saw last season in Miami. So good for him for getting that extension and um, ecstatic to see him in this offense because I don't think it'd be the same without him. Josh, real quickly here, let's run through Miami's final practice squad or Miami's current practice squad roster. Just point out some guys that we think is a little interesting. How about this defensive end Chase Winovich? I, I remember what was that? The 2019 Andrew Van Ginkle draft. We, you know, everybody wanted to have that long blonde hair pop it out of a helmet. And, and we ended up getting that in the form of Andrew Van Ginkle. But I remember Chase Winovich was a guy that everybody in Miami wanted to get. Yeah. And I don't think I could really be on that board because I think the Dolphins gave up that pick where they could have drafted him for Josh Rosen. And at the time, I thought the Josh Rosen trade. You know, throwing a dart at the wall, I thought that was worth it, right? I mean, and in hindsight, who's to say it wasn't? If they would have started him, who knows? They might have got that first-round uh, pick, but that's uh, a bizarre world for another time. But, um, yeah, man, Chase Winovich was a name that stuck out, and I talked about him a little bit. Darrington Evans, he's a guy who um, – I'm a sicko, Jake. I tell you this all the time, but in fantasy leagues, you know, dynasty leagues, you do rookie drafts, fourth-round pick. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I think I took Darrington Evans as the backup. He was behind Derrick Henry. Had a big run in preseason for the Bills. So is this a Dolphins trying to get intel, or is this a guy who they feel like could be a playmaker? So um, intrigued, I guess. Intrigued is what you can say about all that. Linebacker Cameron Good was someone who – it made it sound like when the practice squad came out was someone who we might see on the active roster or activated sooner rather than later as one of those depth pieces they can trust. Both Braylon Sanders and Tanner Connor made it to the practice squad, two projects for the Dolphins. 
Josh, I, I really beefed it here by not looking up this person's name, and so I deeply apologize. But Alama Aluve, I mean, I think he is going to be, if we want to talk about an acorn maybe two, three years down the road, I think, you know, we really can't underestimate the fact that I think he played 100% of the snaps in Miami's first preseason game. They really see something in this kid, and I'm interested to see if, you know, having Butch Berry, having maybe having a, a offensive line coach for two straight years could be the difference. And, and maybe we see some of these undrafted late round picks develop, you know, like we wanted out of a Ryan Hayes, hopefully. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did he play center most of the time? Is that correct? Yeah. Was he? Yeah. And that's exactly what the dolphins need when you look at their depth chart. So um, yeah, he's a guy that you got to keep an eye on and Josh Kalou, the safety. I mean, we know how important the safeties are in um, Vic Fangio's defense. So maybe he's a guy that can go out there and, um, have it have an impact i love that you brought up tanner connor though because again i felt like he could somehow make an impact so the fact that they're not giving up on him quite yet i'm excited about that this is a very very um interesting group linebacker aj johnson he's been around for a little bit deshaun hand he's also on that list cornerback ethan bonner made it to the practice squad he might be a more of a special teams guy i think he got cooked in the final preseason game a couple times uh but yeah, the Dolphins, hopefully at cornerback, should be pretty settled in for now. Hey, so something I just wanted to mention, um, Frank Clark, Miami's offensive coordinator. Oh, Frank Smith, excuse me, Frank Clark. I think he was a former defensive end. Frank Smith, it's important to keep in mind, Josh, he too was a former offensive line coach. So hopefully as we see him in Miami with Mike McDaniel longer and longer, despite the fact they keep rotating these offensive line coaches, hopefully there is some sort of continuity there knowing that your offensive uh, coordinator has that experience in the trenches. Yeah, I think I like that last year, the fact that they just had different guys that, you know, all had experience with the offensive line, and it does seem like it's all coming together, right? I mean, we heard again Omar Kelly was raving about what we saw of Austin Jackson. The Liam Eichenberg situation is going to be so, so interesting to watch because while the Miami Dolphins release their depth chart, you can never really, really rely on the depth chart to give you the right picture on opening day, right? Liam Eikenberg is listed as the left guard right now, but it's hard to imagine that Isaiah Wynn isn't going to be out there come week one. Another one that I thought was a little interesting is that Eli Apple is just absolutely buried in the Miami Dolphins depth chart. And that one's a little confusing to me because, you know, when you look at Xavier Howard and Cater Kohu, probably your two starters, you still have Nick Needham being injured. That's a problem. Justin Bethel, we mentioned it, is more of a special teams guy. Uh, so you have Cam Smith as your slot. You uh, signed someone, Kelvin Joseph, actually in the trade for no with Noah Igbenogany. That one's a little interesting too. Uh, but the biggest difference between replacing Igbenogany with Joseph is special teams. I think last year Igbenogany played 40 special team snaps and, and Joseph was over 300. Um, he also spent most of his time as a boundary cornerback, which um, – is something the Dolphins can use, understanding that Cater Kohu can move inside. Uh, but he really wasn't great. He started one game week 15 against the Jags, and he surrendered two touchdowns. Uh, but but Kelvin Joseph, I see really stepping in and being a special teams guy there, just to kind of, again, add that depth that the Dolphins are searching for. Noah Igbenogany ne wasn't necessarily that. Um, and Joseph did say, too, that he has been pushing to become a slot cornerback and be able to do more for the Dolphins. As a former second-round pick, that's someone who you hope it can still all come together, maybe the Vic Fangio system. You're paying Vic Fangio to be the highest-paid defensive coordinator for a reason, to make these guys better than you know you might see on the cover. So that's just something to keep in mind, too. As you look at this uh, practice squad, this depth chart, I mean, things are going to change so much, but it doesn't mean it's you know not fun to talk about. 
Yeah, one more thing that's fun to talk about. And I don't know if you saw it, Jake, but um, I think it was the Miami Herald beat writer, Daniel. I would butcher his last name. I'm just going to say Daniel. Oh, he posted a picture of uh, Tua Tungvaloa at, at practice, you know, all taped up, looking like a road to glory customized uh, player. I think uh, Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips was also part of that. So what was your thought seeing that? I mean, it was kind of cool. I was hoping Tua was wearing the visor, but but there was no visor. But they were definitely decked out, taped all up, and uh, maybe we'll see that on Sunday against the Chargers. I feel that that's one of the greatest things about this news cycle becoming 24-7. It's the fact we eventually just get to see some sort of personality, the fact that we all go to our jobs and it's a little annoying and stressful, and how, you know, I think they said they did it just to kind of spice things up, just to kind of do things a little differently. It's the end of training camp. We just want to refresh things. So it's always nice to see that just uh, the different ways people can kind of work through tough situations or just kind of push through something like the preseason. Uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm always for that team chemistry stuff. And those stories are always great to uh, just follow along with because they're another situation where teams don't lose. Josh, you did one of the most interesting things. I'm so excited to do this. What you did is you went back. I'm sure everybody has seen these before the good old fashioned, uh, ranking players, ranking situations about each team. So Josh, what you did here is you took a list of, I think it's nine different categories. And what we're going to do is we're going to treat it like high school. We're going to give out the best hair, the best eyes, the funniest, the best couple. We're going to go through all of it, Josh. But first, what inspired you to want to do this uh, right before the season? Yeah, people, I mean, we've seen these on Twitter, right? People quote tweet with the most improved player, you know, uh, draft pick that you're most excited to see who's going to take the biggest step, whatever it is. I have one where you go back and it looks at most overrated player. I had Jerome Baker because um, of all the fans who were – so many fans were hyped on him. I think it was like year two or something, and I was just saying, you know, he's good, but you just got to temper your expectations. So I had him. I think I had Raekwon McMillan. I was going to bat for him. I think Byron Jones is one of the best players, so I'm just going to shut about that. But either way, that inspired me, and then I kind of went in today and uh, tweaked it a little bit. So I got, like, least queasiest unit to look at, you know, this Let's season. Let's start with right there. Yeah, so you want to dive into it? You want you ready to go? Yeah, man. Uh, let, let's do it. Least queasiest unit on the roster. This one, I is that a word? Is least least queasiest? Is that a word? <laughs> is that we're English? gonna say it is? I, I'm all for it. The most tums, the least tums worthy roster unit. I don't know. I like yours more, I think. Um, I went edge rusher, Josh. I just felt like you have Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, two guys. I mean, Bradley Chubb has that injury history, but I do think that um, knowing his role, knowing the workload, he can operate in Vic Fangio's system, and then having Jalen Phillips, who's just a machine on the other end. Those two guys right there just instantly pop off the page, and then you got depth like Andrew Van Ginkle uh, behind him, and then you're hoping that maybe one of the younger edge rushers can just make a little bit of noise. Maybe Cameron Good comes up from the practice squad and becomes one of those guys. Um, it's not really the deepest unit, but you don't need seven, eight edge rushers. But because of Phillips, because of Jub, I am not queasy whatsoever. Yeah, I was getting ready to bail on what I was going to say, but I'm, I'm sticking to it. I, I have wide receivers written down. I think, again, like you mentioned, you have those two elite guys on the edge. You have these two elite pass catchers. I mean, Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill. Um, Waddle's number one wide receiver. So you got those two guys. And then after, you know, Eric Azucoma, uh, Braxton Berrios, River Craycraft. I mean, I'm saying those names, and I just feel like we're one injury away from me to have an egg on my face. But I do think that – um, it is the least queasy unit, at least as of now, heading into week one for me as a Dolphin fan. And something with that, too, what we saw in the preseason, don't hear what I'm not saying. Um, 
Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill are in a different universe. But what they did is not only they were, weren't just like big play guys, they were also great at moving the chains. I think something we saw in the preseason and why he's still on the roster, River Craycraft, I think one game he had eight receptions on eight targets. If River Craycraft has to play for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, he is not going to reach that productivity. No chance. But what you can do is scheme them into the system where they can at least be part of that, the, the stick moving operation, something like that, where I do think that I think if you have someone on your roster that costs $30 million, if you lose them, no matter who they are, it's going to be tough. But I think the Dolphins have done a good job at identifying guys who can at least keep the offense moving and functional if a Jalen Waddle Tyree kill misses time a little bit. So, yeah, no, I, I really do like that pick. Yeah, I was going to say, um, if they had Robbie chosen, then they wouldn't have to worry about losing Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle, but um, just joking. <laughs> what about most What about most queasy unit? Which which unit makes you the queasiest? The most Joe Philbin watching Philip Wheeler calling a timeout and then putting Philip Wheeler back out there? Which which one's this? Oh, my God, he called it. Okay, nope, I'm not going to get mad about it. Dude, I went quarterback. It just, for the second year in a row, they just keep dropping nonstop. Who was, was it? Who had the well, Keon Crossan had a had a freak injury earlier this week and now he's done for the year. Jalen Ramsey's injury. Nick Needham's not back. Cam Smith was dealing with an injury. There is just so much going on with this unit, man, where I am so queasy. The Dolphins did everything they could to try to add depth to this group, make sure it could survive an injury or two. But man, it's so hard not to um uh, feel a little sick looking at that group, especially with you know one or two injuries can just derail everything. Yeah, and we did this like, a, what, a month ago? We probably would have had that as one of the strongest units, right? Cornerback, because we would have felt pretty good about it. So, um, egg on my face always. I have I had two written down, so I'll just say them both since you didn't say either of them. Offensive line and tight end. I mean, the tight end unit, I mean, slim pickings. We talked about it now earlier in the pod, the last pod. Slim pickings at tight end and then the offensive line. I mean, is Austin Jackson really – um, as good as Omar Kelly advertised, all do we do all we need is a left guard. You know, Isaiah Wynn, maybe uh, Liam Eikenberg, just be a body. Connor Williams, bring those snaps down and we have a solid offensive line. I mean, I'm not convinced that's the case. So offensive line, tight end, that makes me the queasiest. But you had me feeling pretty queasy with cornerback unit as well. Let's switch it up. Let's get the vibes back going on the good side. Most impactful free agent, Joshua. I, I stuck with Jalen Ramsey. If he's back late November, early December, I, I think that what he injects into a defense midseason, the way that like offensive coordinators, as they're trying to pick apart the Dolphins defense and figure out how to attack them, you're telling me that all of a sudden you add Jalen Ramsey to the mix and everything's not going to look absolutely different. I think he could be that, you know, you're, you're three quarters through a level and you get that last invincibility star in Mario just to kind of push through, maybe win a game or two you're not supposed to. I think that value it might not be it's not going to be a whole season but i think the quality of performances late in the year we'll get from jalen ramsey is going to be unmatched yeah getting him back with jonathan taylor after that trade goes down i mean dolphins will get jalen ramsey and jonathan taylor could you imagine that mid-season after you know starting six and two or whatever i mean oh man that's amazing so yeah man jalen ramsey's a great answer i have david long jr i think he's um, again, a unit that kind of struggles every year. The guy, you know, a unit I always wanted them to upgrade. Linebacker, I think he's probably the best, most talented in that group. I mean, Jerome Baker is pretty damn good too. But David Long, if he can stay healthy, he's going to make a big impact in the middle of that defense. So I have him down as my most impactful free agent signing. Jerome Baker is just like uh, your harness. You're never going to fall. You're safe. You have Jerome Baker. He's never going to let you down. 
David Long is more of that flashy, uh, you know, we're, we're going to make a big play that's going to be on Sports Center type of thing. So, yeah, man, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I think he can have a huge impact. Maybe if you force a couple of fumbles, all of a sudden everyone in Miami is going to absolutely love you. Josh, the Dolphins only have two draft picks left, but which one of them do you think is going to be the most impactful for the rookie season? Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Devon A-Chain. I was sitting here considering Cam Smith. You know, we talk about the cornerback unit. It's definitely a grim situation. You hope Cam Smith can step up and, uh, you know, forge a role in that secondary. But I have Devon A-Chain with the injuries to Je- Jeff Wilson. Again, Salvin Ahmed's probably behind Raheem Mostert on the depth chart. But after that, it should be Devon A-Chain's chance. So all it takes is a big run, right, Jake? And next thing you know, he's getting more touches each week. So Devon A-Chain, I feel like he has the most, uh, the biggest chance to take advantage of Jeff Wilson's injury and you know forging role dude i don't know i i i shake the crystal ball and there's there's part of me that thinks that maybe devon eight chain just has such a limited role his rookie season i don't know why but i can just so envision that happening like they redshirt him they redshirt him as ukoma style like we like we've seen before yeah i can see that Maybe not red shirt, but I could see like even just here's 10 plays every game that, you know, and it could develop into more. But but I just have a hard time seeing them just throwing the, the rookie, especially coming off the injury into the fire. Uh, rookie coming off injury into the fire. Cam Smith's in the same boat, so I guess I can't use that as my take. Uh, but I just picked Cam Smith. You have more running. You have more cornerbacks on the field than you do running backs. We heard about all the injuries the Dolphins have at cornerback. Raheem Mostert, you're just hoping to ride till the wheels fall off. Hopefully Jeff Wilson's back after those four weeks on IR. So, man, I, I just think Cam Smith can kind of come in right away and have more opportunities on the field. Yeah, I could see that too. Um, and, I, you know, I was torn between Devon Chain and Cam Smith for sure. Um, next on my list, Jake, what player could surprise most this year? I actually have uh, Julian Hill written down. I mean, we've talked Ooh. about him in that tight end room. Um, you know, as of now, he almost looks like tight end two, right? Tight end two, tight end three at worst. So um, he's the guy I'm going to put down there. Feel like he could just, you know, again, make a big player two and forge a role, open up a running lane, whatever it might be, and get out in the field more. So I know that's kind of a hot take. I went a little bit deep there, but I'll go with Julian Hill. Who do you have? Before I tell you, um, there, there was a Jerome Bettis stat line where I think he had three rushes for two yards and three touchdowns or something like that. Something ridiculous. It might have even just been three rushes, three yards, and three touchdowns. Um, I could see Julian Hillman one week having two catches for like six yards and two touchdowns. He's just all alone in the end zone for both of them. And that's what goes with that idea of the offense being able to trust you. He's going to be in the right spot. He's going to find the open space. Otherwise, he wouldn't have made it on the 53-man roster, which that's all we're hoping to see. The Pete Pert the player I think would surprise the most since Devon A. Chain's not going to be on the field, my friend, Selvan Ahmed. I really think that he'll have some opportunities to have some big plays. It being his fourth year in the league, I think he'll be very comfortable. Um, he might have, I, I think it was one of the preseason games. He had four carries for 48 yards. He had a high of uh, 42. So he had like five carries for six yards. There's going to be spurts like that where I, I think Selvan Ahmed might not be great. But I think there are going to be maybe two, three highlight games where we're really, um, really enjoying the fact that he's still on the roster. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I was actually torn to have him as my player to take the next step, but I wasn't sure if... Does Jalen Phillips even count as a player to take the next step? Like, I see a lot of these people... Okay, so, okay. Well, then, spoiler alert. Um, a player I expect to have to take the next step, Jalen Phillips. I mean, I, I laugh when I see those, you know, NFL and those different news analysts and, you know, the sports writers penning that he's going to have a breakout year this year because, in my opinion, you know, we're the guys that sat here and said he was in the ring of honor as a rookie. So I'm not sure that I sit here and think that he hasn't already broken out. So I might have him on a whole different tier in my mind. So I'm going with Jalen Phillips. He's going to break out in this Vic Fangio defense. Bradley Chubb's going to be a menace more so than he was last year, which is going to, you know, have uh, allowed Jalen Phillips to get some of those, you know, one-on-one matchups where he's just going to, you know, it, it doesn't matter who he's lined up against. It's game over. So Jalen Phillips is going to be my player um, to take the next step this season. Who do you got, Jake? The key here is that we put Jalen Phillips in the ring of honor before he played a snap. And the thing about the ring of honor, that's not a ceiling. My friend, there is no roof on hard rock stadium. So he's going to keep climbing. I have Jalen Phillips as well. I think I, I, we, we were, we were in on the, I don't want to call the shtick, but yeah, we, we leaned into this. Sometimes you find guys you just want to love from day one. Uh, but it, I felt like a lot less of a homer the second he was on the back page of the New York Post. Um, the, the, there was some drama about the Jets' offensive line in camp, how they were struggling, and, and they had pass rushers uh, uh, just talking about how the offensive line struggled. And the fact I saw Jalen Phillips there, that did it for me. If we were going to agree on one, this is not a surprise at all. I do think there's that extra level he can go. Man, it does seem like in each of the last two years, it's been spurts, especially near the end of the year. Obviously, you want someone to turn it on near the end of the season for sure. Um, but him becoming most improved is week one to 17, a 17-week headache for opposing teams. And I, I think he can genuinely do that. Yeah, he's, he's Pro Bowl bound, but it doesn't matter because the Dolphins are going to be in the Super Bowl. So we don't even care about all that. Um, next on the list, which player takes um, – oh, sorry – most improved, most improved player. Who do you got? I, the no, the most to prove. Most to prove. Yes, you're right. I think this one we might even agree with too. I went with Tua, um, just mostly because it's a contract year. He's got that fifth year option, but I think if he's going to be Miami's long term quarterback, he'll have a new deal this off season. So if he can stay healthy, um, I'm not going to say 17 games because. Football is a physical sport, but if he's out there 15, 16 games and is looking like a stud, obviously there are some rough spots throughout the season. But I mean, if he looks like the Tua that was um, out there last year, he can earn that contract, but a couple of injuries and you wonder if they're going to ride out that fifth year option and it will be even more high stakes. Um, I mostly took him just for the sake of he doesn't have that security yet. I mean, obviously, if he plays well, he'll get it with like a snap of a finger. Uh, but for now, it, it's up to Tua. He has to prove it. And, and I think that... Um, Knowing those quarterback contracts, I think he has the most approved. Yeah, I was torn. I had Connor Williams down, Christian Wilkins, because he wants that big deal. But it's absolutely to a tongue of a low. I mean, you need to see that he can be healthy. You need to see that he's going to be – you're going to be able to rely on him, right? Because when he's out there, this Dolphins team looked awesome last season. But, again, it's when he's out there. So he has to prove he can stay healthy, prove that he can play the entire season and go out there and replicate those numbers in year two of Mike McDaniel's offense. I think he's going to do that and break the bank, but then we're going to have all sorts of other issues, right? With the salary cap. 
having a salary cap issue is not an issue, especially if it's playoffs every year. And, and I, I go back to the Rams when, when they made their first playoff push. That wasn't their issue when they went. They went all in then, but they doubled down on it when they traded for Stafford. And I think that's what really hurt them too. And the Dolphins haven't gotten there. As soon as we trade two draft picks for someone, uh, again, that, that's when I'll get worried. But speaking of trading for two, or trading two draft picks, Offensive Player of the Year, Tyree Kill. Um, usually you hear players say their goals for a season, and you're like, yeah, man, good luck. Tyree Kill says he wants to get 2,000 yards, and I genuinely believe he will. Yeah, we, we, we agree on Tyree Kill. I don't know if you heard that pony in the background. Yeah, we agree on Tyree Kill. Uh, he's going to probably hit 2,000 yards if he can. Sorry about the horse. Tyreek Hill's my answer as well. Defensive player of the year. Josh, I had such a hard time with this one uh, because I think there are so many different cooks in the kitchen and you wonder which one is going to look the best uh, because if they all look well, that, that's one thing, but someone's just going to get the numbers, whether it's a couple more interceptions. I'm going to go Javon Holland. I just think he'll he's someone who is consistently on the field, he takes advantage of every opportunity that's brought to him. You think about the idea of Vic Fangio's defense and how safeties improve in that group. I think all eyes are going to be on Javon Holland, and I just think his consistency, he might not be the best in terms of interceptions at the end of the year, forced fumbles, tackles, but I think he's just going to be so well-rounded and have like that. I don't even know the best way to describe it, but I could see him just, you know, three forced fumbles, three interceptions, three fumble recoveries, just doing a lot of three sacks, just doing a lot of different things. And that versatility is really what keeps Miami a step ahead, especially with Jalen Ramsey being out. Yeah, Javon Holland's a, a great pick. I actually have Jalen Phillips down. I stuck on board. I know I say he's going to take that next step, and I still think he already took that next step. I'm going to have him down as defensive player of the year. I feel like he's going to just be, again, a menace taking that next game to the next level. And Vic Fangio's defense, that's the moon. Next level's the moon. Dude, oh man, the Jalen Phillips hype is out of control, but I do think we discredit Bradley Chubb just a little bit just because of it. And keep an eye, like I've seen so much Bradley Chubb disrespect lately. Just don't disrespect Bradley Chubb. You'll see some great things from the astronaut uh, this year. Um, I'll put my word on it. We better because he's getting paid like that, right? Exactly, exactly. Joshua, I love this. This was a great idea. This was a great way to wrap up our final, final, I don't know if you can believe it, Josh, the final weekend without regular season football. We have finally made it. We made it. Praise praise, praise the Lord. We're here. We get uh, week one. We get to uh, have Herbert versus Tua, right? We're almost there. Can't wait for that day. Can't the greatest wait. week one migraine where no matter what the social media is going to be an absolute mess it is going to be a disaster hey but that's why you don't go on social media you tune into podcasts like another dolphins podcast thank you all so much for listening if you have a minute and, and can take a moment to subscribe leave a review that stuff helps us out so much we would greatly appreciate it but we will be back early next week with some more info leading up to the chargers dolphins but for another dolphins podcast thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you next time Fins up. Fins up.